The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen, and you are watching and listening to The Brett Keen Show. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. Um, on 7 p.m. Central on Friday, I'm going to be doing a live show. The public link is already out. As always, if you want to be a part of my shows, you got to go to the front of my YouTube channel, and you got to click on the scheduled show and hit notify, and it'll let you know what time. You can actually see on the video itself. It's actually the broadcast is there. It'll say 7 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever. But I normally do Mondays through Friday, 7 p.m. Central. Um, you will see other shows throughout the week or the weekend if I'm doing a show with someone else because I tend to broadcast their content through my channel, and I also uh, put the pre-recorded uh a show on to the radio, my international radio station. If you'd like to listen to that, the links are in the description. Also, for those out there who say you'd like to donate to me and support me, I have a PayPal and a Cash App if you're up for it. I personally would recommend going to my store and buying some of my T-shirts and cool stuff like that. I get paid, and plus you get to walk around with a cool wardrobe. I'm pretty damn good at designing, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't heard any criticisms or complaints from anybody. All right, so I'm going to answer a question, and then I'm going to talk about a some very personal experiences and also atheist parenting. Um, I've been having some Christians email me and leave comments where they say, so Brett Keen, are you a Satanist now? I think some of these people are actually atheists who are also asking that question. Now that I'm hanging out with Satanists a lot, uh, this somehow to them logically means I must be a Satanist. I guess if I hang out with Democrats for a week and talk to them about politics, whether I agree with them or disagree with them, I'm just automatically a Democrat. That's kind of reminds me of the way it was in high school. If you hang out with uh, someone who's not very popular, you know, somebody will come along and say, why do you hang out with that pimple-faced obese kid for? Why are you going to lunch and sitting down with them ugly girls for? You know, are you, uh, is there something wrong with you or blah, blah, blah? 
<laughs> no, I just enjoy people and I don't want physical appearances or the surface um, bring me to a point where I condemn or judge people just based upon a label or what they look like or anything like that. <clears throat> I haven't always been the sexy beast myself. I haven't always been this handsome older man that my wife can't keep her hands off of. Um, you know, I've had my days where I wasn't so pretty and beautiful myself and thank goodness there were good people out there who accepted me for who I was whether it was a bad day or a good day. No, but I do consider these Satanists and the pagans that I've spoken to, the warlocks and the witches and people of all different religions, a lot of them I am proud to say I have made friends, and that's the reason why I'm on the Internet, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just so I can make videos and make you laugh for five minutes and then I go on my day. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy hearing about people's lives and how they dealt with tragedies or positive events in their existence. I mean, that's the human experience. I'm getting up there in age, ladies and gentlemen. I'm 47. I'm going to be 50 in a few years. And basically, I'm pretty much, if my health keeps on going bad like it is, I'm pretty much at 80% of the end of my life. You know, it is what it is, so I would like to just be able to get along with people, have good conversation, and enjoy other people's company. Is that okay? All right. I'm glad you gave me permission to do that. So, <clears throat> atheist parenting. One of the things that got me thinking about the whole atheist parenting thing is, I've seen nonstop over the years where atheists will claim that Christians indoctrinate children. By teaching your child that there's consequences for sins or the wrongs that you do in the world, by teaching your child that there might be an eternal damnation place where you go to suffer for all eternity, or in my case, I am an annihilationist where I believe that if you don't make the grade, your soul is terminated it's annihilated and you simply don't exist in any realm or form in the universe you're not even a memory anymore you become non-existent but is it wrong to tell a child that a lot of atheists have argued it's child abuse it's terrible it scares kids i'm under the belief that children are a lot smarter than what a lot of these people give them credit for I'm under the belief that there are children out there that are a hundred times more intelligent than some of their counterparts. I know for a fact there are kids out there that are sometimes, uh, depending on what the subject matter is, are actually more qualified and more intelligent to do something than even their own parents. I'll give you an example. When I started out on computers, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. But it was funny because I had some nephews and there were uh, kids in my family who seem to know how to turn the thing on, operate the system, go in through the software, teach me how to open up an internet browser, all kinds of things. Hell, I even had a young person teach me how to install a, a virus protector. You know, one of them programs that protect your computer from getting uh, destroyed. So, I mean, I could go on all day about the uh, the quality and intelligence of children. I think it's it's foolish for us to say, well, someone's this age, so 
they poss- they don't possibly have any kind of value whatsoever and they couldn't teach us nothing because we're too old, they're too young. That game just doesn't work. I've noticed even since I was a young person, there was a lot of things about me that were special, uh, very intelligent, very open-minded that a lot of my adult family members simply did not share with me. I did not inherit their traits of being closed-minded and, you know, all wrapped up into myself or narcissistic. So it is what it is. But as many of you know, I used to be an atheist. I used to spend a good chunk of my life whenever I was a young man um, going after religion, bashing the Bible, bashing Christians and all this. And it finally came to a point in my life where I ended up meeting the beautiful woman that would be my wife. She's my only wife. I've never been married more than once. Um, I married her whenever she was young. We were kids. We got together, we identified, we related. She didn't have hardly any family. I didn't have hardly any family myself. Um, I mean, we had people, but some of them either didn't want to have anything to do with us or anybody else, or they, they just weren't friendly people. They wanted to be hermits and to themselves. And uh, to try to get any kind of help or support, yeah, right. <laughs> You know, well, as a, a person who was young and then me and my wife, we found out, uh, that she was pregnant and all that with our, with our first child, our son, I remember thinking to myself while she's pregnant, goodness gracious, a whole lot of thoughts started going through my head that I hadn't really thought about, you know, uh, how am I going to do this? Obviously financially. What kind of things am I going to say to this kid? What kind of things should me and my son do whenever he finally is in the world with me and his mother? What kind of things are we going to talk about? And I found myself over the nine-month period in a very strange position. You see, whenever I was an atheist, I rarely ever reflected on myself and what I had to give or what I had to offer. My tone and aggression was always towards what other people believed and their views, and then to tear them down and tear down their hope and their uh, position on what they thought life and their worldview meant. But I, because I spent so much time doing that, I never really thought, well, who is Brett Keen, really? Besides Brett Keen doing YouTube videos, besides Brett Keen talking on, you know, various radios, besides Brett Keen writing books, who am I and what do I, what do I contribute to not only my wife who is pregnant, but what am I going to contribute to any children that I bring into this world? I even started having a lot of negative thoughts like this world is shit. It's garbage. Why would anybody want to bring children into the world? And I even started listening to some atheists out there who called themselves anti-natalist, who believed that it was cruel and terrible and horrible to bring children into the world. So that really started like putting pressure on me because I started thinking to myself, am I a shitty person? All these fellow atheists are saying bringing children into the world is a horrific thing to do. Why would somebody do that? You know? 
especially if you're an atheist. At the time, I believed that if you brought, if you're an atheist kid or a teenager, then you're probably going to get mocked or screwed with at school and your entire life. You're going to have to argue your position and all that. And although I found myself in a position where sometimes I liked arguing and debating, it's not something that my wife enjoyed. It's not something that I thought that my children might inherit the desire to argue with people and win debates and arguments and such. No, I, I felt like at that point, a lot of the shit that I thought that I did really good and that I thought that I was accomplishing really didn't mean dick in the grand scale of things. It wasn't going to help my wife any for sure. It wasn't going to pay our bills and it sure as hell wasn't something you could raise your kids up on. Oh, guess what your daddy did? You know, guess what kind of debate I had? Guess what kind of, you know, how many atheists cheered me on today on social media that I'll never meet or never even know. So, you start reflecting, you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you start saying, am I even going to be a good dad? I didn't have like a good mother and father growing up. I had a father who left at a very young age. I lost my grandmother from cancer at a very young age. And she was the only person in the family who actually wanted to have anything to do with me. And my mother was sick. She was absolutely undependable and contributed really nothing to my existence whatsoever. So I had nobody that I could look at and say, that's what it means to be a mom or a dad. Unfortunately, I made the mistake for a little while there growing up, watching Leave at the Beaver and these black and white television shows. And I started getting so immersed inside of TV and what the hell I was seeing on the boob screen that I started thinking that that's what a family is. That's what a mom and dad ought to be. You know, you know, Wally Cleaver and, you know, the Beeves and all that. The Jeffersons are these nice family members. But, of course, there were Al Bundy and, <laughs> you know, the fa married with children where the family was absolutely dysfunctional and shit. Um there was, of course, all these other shows. Some of them were positive, others bad. But either way, I didn't, at the end of the day, I felt like none of these people are real. Is that really what I'm going to do? Is that what I'm going to base being a dad on or a mom by, you know, mimicking some scripted bullshit that was done back in 1950 before they even invented fucking color? Is that really what's going to be me as a parent? A lot of things started going through my head. I knew that at some point in time, my kids, when I have children, they were going to ask me a lot of shit. Kids are, they, they're commonly, I mean, anybody that's ever had a kid or you've got a nephew or children in your family, you know that they come to you um, with this, this automatic trust where they, they want to know things. And they expect you to protect them. They expect you to care for them. They expect you to lead them and guide them in the right direction. They expect you to tell them also that they're special, why they're important. But they also want to know, why am I here? Why did you bring me into this world? 
And sooner or later, eventually, they're going to see the people around them that are supposed to be protecting them and loving them die. And then the questions come, right? When the kid's standing inside of the church, sees the, the body of someone they loved in a box. When they're seeing somebody lowered into a hole, you got that kid going, where's grandma going? Where's, where's Barb going? What's, what's happening? Why are they throwing dirt? Why is she in a box, mommy and daddy? Or if you do cremation, I've had family members who are cre were cremated to try to explain to a child that that entire person that they used to talk to and listen to is now pretty much a fucking ashtray. Uh, basically, the ashes of an ashtray dumped into a fucking generic vase. These are all the kind of questions you got to deal with whenever you're dealing with children. And if you ignore them and you refuse to answer their question and you refuse to be there when they need you and back them up when they need protection and you don't remind them on a daily basis how valuable and important and how much you love them, if you don't do that, then eventually they're going to think you're a piece of shit. They're going to think that you belong in a fucking box and you belong in a hole somewhere because you're no good to them. You're not keeping them safe. You're not making them happy and you bring nothing to their fucking life. So there's a lot of kids out there that they begin rebelling. They begin looking for people who care for them. And that's why you get a lot of kids that end up on drugs and then gangs or hanging out with these shitty little bastards who are also having some of the same problems in their life. And then the kids start identifying with each other. They go, oh, my mom and dad sucks. Yeah, my mom and dad sucks too. You know, we, they don't want me to have any kind of fun. Let's go out and fuck something up. Yeah, let's light some fireworks and aim it at some old lady's house or some shit or wrap somebody's fucking trees up with toilet paper or whatever to, whatever creative idea comes into that head, you know. Or, hey, let's fucking, you, did you watch uh, Speed Racer? Let's get in a car and fly down the fucking highway and, and see how that works out for us, you know. Kind of like we do in Grand Theft Auto. Let's have a little bit of fun, you know? So I, I realize all this. I've always been a person that's very sensitive to other people's views and their feelings. Unless someone aggravates me or they intentionally attack me, I normally start out 100%. I'm concerned and care about their views. I want to learn about this person. I want to understand this person. It's not until they attack me or I, or I sense that they're trolling me that I start getting mean. But back to what I was saying. Even after all that nine months of going back and forth in my head, how am I going to do this? Because I seen myself as an atheist parent at the time. I wasn't even, when my son was in the womb of my wife, I hadn't, I wasn't even in the, in the direction of going towards Christianity or theism at this point. I was still fucking far gone. I was lost. So I got no manual, no instructions, don't know what to do. But my wife kept on assuring me. She said, you've got a good heart. You're a good man. 
and you've always been good by me. So I, I believe that you'll make a, a great father because I would bring it up with her. I'm like, what do I have? What, what can I give our, our child? You'll be fine, honey. I mean, just the fact that you're even asking these questions and you're concerned about how to behave and what to say shows that you care and that you love and that we're actually communicating this and you're not just balling it up inside. So my son's born, and obviously for the first few years, didn't have to worry about the questions. I just had to worry about shitty diapers, making sure the bottle's not too hot, not too cold, making sure you burp the baby, you know, saying to the baby, all this kind of stuff. But obviously my son ended up getting older, and the questions started coming. And during this entire time, I kept on trying to prepare myself and, and think about it. And I remember whenever he was born, and the same effect happened on me whenever my daughter was born, too, where I thought, my goodness, look at this little creature laying here under this warm light. And uh, it just melted my heart whenever I seen the doctor give the baby over to my wife and she's holding it. And I'm kind of standing back a little bit in awe, just going, wow, we did that. We... We did this great thing, you know. Oh, my goodness. And then, of course, I made my way up towards her as well as the baby and rubbed the baby and ran my hands through her hair, and she's all sweaty. And um, I remember thinking to myself, something clicked in that very moment. It's very hard to explain, but there's just something that clicks in a man whenever he sees his kid brought into the world and sees his wife going through that process of bringing a kid in the world, there's something that just snaps into place where it says, I will give my life for these people before me. No one will ever lay their fucking hands on these two. I will give everything and anything that it takes just so I can see a smile on their face. I will fight tooth and nail. I will go through hell and back with gasoline-soaked underwear just to make sure that they get everything that they need. That's the kind of shit that goes through your head whenever you bring a kid in. And at the same time, you're just in total fucking awe. Everything's different when you have a child. When you see the sunrise, or you look up at the heavens and you see the stars, there's an extra twinkle there. The sun is extra brighter. The universe seems as though it suddenly envelops hope. Things don't seem so empty and dark and, and painful anymore. Suddenly you realize, I may not have had a lot of things before, and there may not have been a lot of people in my life, but I've just proven to myself and my wife proven to herself that we could actually build our own family, and we can actually do things differently than the other people in our family we could actually be a good mom and dad if we could just figure out what that means we knew that we wanted to love but what does it actually mean strangely enough too it didn't take very long where during the few years of taking care of a baby you start thinking every once in a while you start having these weird thoughts like huh I wonder what it would be like having billions of children 
I wonder what it would be like if I were an advanced entity that decided to terraform a world and seed it with all these life forms and creatures and give them everything they possibly could want and all the resources they need in order to survive. I started really contemplating God as a father and not just some kind of invisible stranger or absentee landlord up in the sky. I started thinking, here I am, I actually witnessed a miracle. I've seen life come into the world from life. And it started really changing everything for me, from my theological views, my philosophical views, everything. So finally it came the time where my son asked me, he said, and I told him all the time, I said, I love you, I love you, I love you, but he liked hearing me say it, so he's like, Dad, you love me? I said, yep, I do, with all my heart. Why? Because you're my son and you're perfect in every way. Why? <laughs> it just, the questions started pouring in. He even asked me questions like, where was I before I was in mommy's tummy? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> this is where you have to give this kind of biological discussion to a child. Or you can say, you can say it from a Christian point of view where you say, well, God had already had it planned that you would be with us. And that's a lot easier than going, oh, well, you were one in a million, you know, little tadpoles floating around in daddy's uh, cul-de-sac, and uh, you got lucky while billions of other little life forms ended up dying in the race, but you were strong enough to make it. You know, I mean, it sounds kind of sporty, doesn't it? A little bit, but it doesn't really sound like there's value there. It's like, oh, I, I got lucky, did I? Very good. What happens when we die? I remember hearing these questions whenever we were putting family members in the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe I should share a couple different views and not just my own. I'd said at the time with my son, I said, it's possible that the person is asleep and they're simply never going to wake up and that the material and the property, their bodies will become a part of the universe again and go back into the, the structure of energy that is out there. And of course that question brought, well, does the energy come back? Does it re combine itself can it come back in the same form and then you start getting into weird shit that sounds a hell of a lot like reincarnation and then i thought of it i said but there's also people out there who believe in the concept of a god so obviously the next question is so what is god well they believe that there was this entity that existed before the universe that consciously created everything that is alive and that exists and at some point in time, this entity will come to collect. And it takes back all those who have died, all those who are asleep. And it reassembles their energy and their components and everything they were made up. 
And then at some point in time, these people get to join their loved ones in another realm, perhaps another interdimensional area. So I found that it was a lot more interesting and it seemed like it was a lot more honest because not only was I telling my kid what my side of what could be possible, but I was also telling my child some of the things that I learned that could also be possible because I couldn't disprove a negative and I also couldn't make the positive assertion without knowledge um, and full 100% grasp on reality that I couldn't just say something like this isn't real, you know? So even in my videos, things started improving. I realized children are probably going to be watching me. They're going to be listening to me. I should probably talk to the kids that are watching out there and young people the same way I talk to my own kids, not treat them somehow different. I stopped calling religious people stupid because I realized the more and more I thought about what they were saying and what their beliefs were, there wasn't really anything stupid about it. It wasn't anything irrational about believing that there was more to the universe than what meets the eye. I mean, literally, the universe is supposedly 200 billion light years all the way from here, expanding down to the singularity that once existed and the remnants of it. And I can only, I can barely see a planet that is in my own damn solar system. How am I going to sit here and tell you what realities will limit or allow? You see? So, at that point on, I just started telling people, look, this is my view at this point in time, but... This is also the theistic view. This is what I've heard from Christians, Muslims, and Jews. This is what I've heard from pagans, and yada, yada, yada. There was nothing wrong with it. I'm simply sharing ideas and sharing what I've heard. I'm sharing my experiences. I'm sharing why people thought the way they did. And it was a good idea because as my son gets older, he's going to end up running into people with all kinds of different views and ideas. It was best for him to know what he was getting himself into as he got older. So he wouldn't be surprised or shocked whenever he ran into people that had completely different ideas than his own. And at the end of the day, I told him, look, what's important is that you are happy in your life. What's important is that you feel content and that you are happy and that you're able to get along with people the best you can. If you want to survive in this world, then you have to be able to make connections. You have to be able to um, not have some kind of social disorder. you got to be able to accept that not everyone thinks or acts like you. And as long as you can be open-minded, as long as you're willing to question yourself and things around you, then you'll be the purest skeptic of all. And your life will be much more full that way, too. So, yeah. But even while all this was going on, and I started the transition over to Christianity, I started having atheists say, so what are you teaching your kids? You know, are you teaching them about hell now? Or are you teaching them that homosexuality is wrong? You know, are you doing the Westboro Baptist Church thing? 
you know, are you teaching your kids the stupidity of Santa Claus still real and all this kind of shit? And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> you know, I was an atheist. What would you, and I even asked some atheists one time on my show, I said, let's say for a minute that you were a dad and you had kids. What would you teach them? If they ask you where they come from, and the atheist said, well, I would tell him that we evolved from primates and, you know, used all the fancy evolutionary names. And I go, and then what? Because the kid's going to go, why? Why? And they go, well, before that, I was, uh, my ancestors were a transitional thing that looked like a cross between a hybrid monkey and a rat. And then, you know, if you keep going back, we became amphibians, we were reptilian, and before that, I was a fucking fish floating around in the water. Yeah, why, why? Well, before that, before I mutated and grew some arms like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the sewer after being engaged and interacting with mutagen, I was snot on a rock that got hit by lightning under some of the craziest conditions on the planet Earth. And that's how I came to life. It was basically Planet of the Apes meets Frankenstein. Lightning hits the dead, inanimate object, it becomes alive, and voila. Well, a kid's obviously going to ask, okay, so what happened before that? Now, what was that snout on the rock? What was that? Why was there even lightning for? Why was the earth going through all this bullshit? What was the universe like before anything lived on it? These are things that kids really want to know. These are things that kids ask about. They want to know. You know, if you go to the movies and you, whether it's a drama, a comedy, or a historical documentary type of thing, or marvel or dc comic book type of movie they always give us an origin story don't they they tell us this is where the character comes from this is why the character has its moral framework this is why batman behaves the way he does this is why he has some kind of code superman's from krypton he comes here and he realizes that he needs to be responsible. He can either be a messiah with superpowers or he can be the worst thing that humans have ever dealt with in their life. He could be the next Zod, right? And that's what stories do. They help us build and express, help us answer questions, also keeps things interesting, fascinating. I couldn't imagine what a world would be like if we didn't have our creativity and imagination. But one thing that's really neat is I've noticed that no matter what crazy shit we come up with as humans, whether we're coming up with new religions or coming up with new ideas or we're coming up with new stories for movies, no matter how hard we try, somebody somewhere has already done it. Someone's already thought of it. In fact, if you presuppose that God is real, then all these stories already existed before we even thought they were our own ideas. Isn't that neat? It's like a kind of like the matrix or some kind of uh in a dream and a dream and a dream type of thing where the experience has already happened and it just keeps on echoing and echoing throughout consciousness. 
So, yeah. yeah. So that's what I made the decision to do whenever I was doing the whole atheist parenting thing. I figured, you know, why give just a piece of the pie for? Why just give my little narrow-ass thought process of how reality in the world works? I mean, sure, I could tell my kid that he's a fucking monkey that evolved from a maggot. Sure, I could say, yeah, you were nothing more than a fucking slug, and then somehow biology just puts your shit together, right? Doesn't sound very awesome. And then I could just turn around and say, but some people believe that you are angelic, that you are a celestial being, that your life has intrinsic objective value to it, that you actually have a moral framework, and that as long as you don't go down the wrong path and glorify darkness and evil, there's an opportunity that you could actually exist for all eternity, and all those people that you've seen buried in a box, you'll meet them one day, providing they didn't go down a dark path themselves, of course. And kids understand that. You know, atheists make it sound like if you tell your kid that there's consequences, that somehow that's going to make the kid crawl under the fucking bed and be shivering and trembling, going, oh, no, oh, no. Kids get it. When mommy and daddy says, look, if you walk along the sidewalk, you'll be able to get to your destination. You'll get to where you're wanting to go. But if you walk out in the middle of the highway, there's a good probability you're going to get fucking smacked by a diesel or a car and your life will be ended and every ambition and dream or desire or fun thing that you wanted to do will end in that very fucking moment. That sounds scary. But if you believe that to be the truth and you love that person, you're going to protect them. You're going to tell them what the fuck is right. You're not going to say, well, I wouldn't want to trigger them. I wouldn't want them to be nervous about the street, right? No. You tell them about the dangers in life. That way they can get over those hurdles and make their way around the obstacles. And what does it hurt to tell them that there's a possibility that there might actually be an advanced entity out there that is actually paying attention to us, that is consciously watching and gives a shit? Or maybe you're one of these type of people who believe there is something out there and it doesn't give a shit. Either way, at least you're open. At least you're saying there might be something there. Your kids are going to end up thinking that way anyway, whether you tell them or not. When they get older, they're going to constantly question when they look into space and the universe, is there something out there? If we're here, then it's possible other things could be here. It just makes rational, logical sense. If it's happened before, then it may have happened again. The place is big. The place is huge. Energy created us, some kind of power source created us, a prime mover, whether naturalist, uh, naturalistic or supernatural, then it could have been done before. Give your children the tools. Don't teach your kids how to think. Give them the whole pie. And when I say teach your children and, and, uh, lay it on them and all this, this information. I'm not talking like the way these LGBT people do kids in school, where they feel like it's necessary to teach how to gratify people sexually and all this. 
I don't know. There's some things that you really don't need to tell a kid that's not necessary, especially when that kind of experience isn't going to happen until much later in their life. And it's not a life or death uh, scenario anyway. But you do need to tell your kids right away that there are consequences for some of the actions that you do. That's one thing I've always wondered about people nowadays. I really, it floors me being a parent in this day and age and hearing people say that parents are not allowed to question. They're not allowed to have any form of control. They're not allowed to inform their children that their decisions may cost them and cause permanent impact on their life forever, or at least until the day they die. Why are parents not allowed to tell their kid that when I had you, you were born a certain way, and this is what I became associated with. This is how I seen you from the moment you were a baby to this. I understand that you feel that you're different. I understand that you feel that you're out of place, but could you give it some time? Could you just give it some more years and see if you might be able to adapt to this? You know, they claim that in nature, things adapt, people adapt, right? So why don't we give life an opportunity to do that? Why are we so into changing nature or trying to fight against mother nature? Why not just let things be as they're going to be, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's just the world's confusing sometimes, isn't it? Why can't parents tell their kids? Why is it abuse to tell your kids there's consequences, whether it's spiritual consequences or in the physical realm or the natural realm of consequences? Why is it wrong for a mom and dad to say, I love you for who you are? You are what you are. And later on in your life, when you become an adult and you're making your own choices, if you decide that this is still something you want, then you do it. Just not right now. Not while you're a kid. Do you know how many times parents let their children do things and then the children do something totally foolish or stupid? I mean, fucking adults do stupid shit too. Don't get me wrong, but... Your kid ends up growing up and they did something really fucked up to themselves. And they're going to wonder, I thought you loved me. Why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me that chopping my wee-wee off meant that I wasn't ever going to have children? Why didn't you tell me that, you know, if I cut this off, I won't be able to breastfeed my own baby? Our parents... Isn't that our job? We're supposed to tell our kids that. How did we become the bad fucking people by trying to keep our children's parts together to not let them hack off their own limbs and shit? Why did it all of a sudden become evil or wrong to tell your child that you don't want them cutting on themselves or mutilating themselves? Why is it wrong to tell a kid that I love you for who you are? You don't have to become something else a lot of these disorders like um, 
genderphoria and all this shit, that's not permanent. That's something that a kid will end up eventually developing out of it. According to science in the medical field, over 98% of people end up adapting to who they are and what they are, and they move along. Every kid has questioned when they see the little girl in the dress playing with Barbie dolls, and every little girl has seen the boy who's watching cartoons and eating Cocoa Puffs saying, gee, I wonder what it would be like if I was little Johnny, and little Johnny saying, I wonder what it would be like if I was Susie. And it also gets really confusing, too, if you favoritize a girl over a boy, and the boy's going to say, I wish I got toys like little Susie did all the time. I wish... I got loved and got the attention that I wanted. How come Susie gets treated like a princess? I get treated like a piece of shit. And vice versa. Because the grass is green always on the other side, right? It's never... When you're actually experiencing shit, it never seems like it's fucking good when it's on your end. Everybody else looks like life's a piece of fucking cake and everything's going great for them. Until you're actually walking in their fucking shoes... Then all of a sudden you start thinking, eh, maybe I don't got it so bad after all. Here, take back your bullshit life and I'm going to go do mine. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and upload this to the radio and uh, keep it up on YouTube for a little while. If you want to hear more of my disturbing thoughts and ideas and shit, we can do that. If you like the direction I took in this video and you like these type of topics, make sure you comment to me and let me know. Email me, message me, say, hey, Brett, I like it when you talk about shit like this. I, this is my thing. You know, this is my, my fucking jam. Talk about this kind of shit. And I will, or at least more about it. Right. And still stick with variety and so on. I guess I end the video with this. I feel really blessed that my children have already graduated high school and they got out of that. They're already in the workforce. They didn't have to go through the cancel culture bullshit or the woke mo movement. Um, however, people do get up on their shit asking them, are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Who are you voting for? Blah, blah, blah. And I told my kids a long time ago, I said, even before Trump was a thing, I said, don't fucking say it. Say that's my own personal view. Don't do it. Because when people ask these type of questions, they ask it for two reasons. One, they're looking for someone who validates their fucking beliefs and is voting for the same person they are. And then they can feel as though they did the right thing because somebody else agrees with them. Or you'll say the wrong person. And because... Politics are so hot and fucking nasty these days. It's practically like getting into a war. You could find yourself in a two-hour conversation with someone who at the end of the conversation wants to beat the shit out of you because you either didn't articulate, you didn't express, or they didn't want to hear what the fuck you had to say in the first place. So best to keep that shit to yourself. And in a lot of cases, you may want to also treat religion and atheism the same way, too. Somebody asks you what your theological views are, you should just say, I'm a truth seeker, I'm open-minded, about damn near anything. If you got something for me, I'm listening. But don't, like, start evangelizing. And if you're an atheist, don't go into one of your fucking stupid speeches 
Let the person get to know you as a person first. Don't identify as the very thing that you <laughs> claim to believe in. I see a lot of people doing that. I rarely ever see names on Twitter or on the internet anymore. I see people calling themselves by their lack of belief. They say, I'm Atheist Bob. I'm Christian, blah, blah, blah. They don't just say, I'm this person who just so happens to have this philosophy and views. It's always the the label comes first. And my goodness, how many times are we going to fucking pigeonhole each other with that? How many times do we got to die on the hill of what title we wear? Bullshit. I'm just really blessed. My kids didn't get corrupted by all the bullshit out there. My wife and I were able to put all of our positive good-hearted stuff into our kids and our kids are able to circumvent and be able to think about how to deal with equations and problems and puzzles and riddles in life and they're able to do that on their own and they also know that they're so loved and valued that if they need help as long as i'm alive as well as their mother will be there and we will try to help them through any process and that's really the best you can do. It's not about how much money you have. It's not how fancy your fucking house is. It's not, not about how many cars you got get or how many restaurants you go to every fucking week or whatever. It's about, am I loved? Do people care about me? And do I mean something in this universe? Do I play a role? Do I have value? And does it all matter at all at the end of the day? All right. God bless.